You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. All right, so let me, uh, why don't you pray? And then okay. um, we'll do our name stuff and then, and then start from there. Okay. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We ask that you would bless this time together, that you would um, help us to choose our words uh, with uh, wisdom and uh, just, uh, Lord, that we would be able to express your love through this podcast in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Uh, so I am Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church in Jefferson Hills. And I'm Mark Berkshire with Mark Berkshire Ministries in Lecrone, PA. And we are uh, on this podcast uh, because we both uh, wanted to discuss and share with the people of God what should be the biblical response, not in accordance to what we think, but in accordance to what God's word says, the biblical response to things that are happening in our culture, uh, how do people of faith respond? And right now we're focusing on, uh, there's still, you know, global pandemic, lots of places are closed. Some places are opening up or starting to open, as they say. And so uh, we're looking at, so what, what should be the response from people of faith to congregations that are opening back up, and to the government response overall. Uh, some say they're opening too soon. Some say they're not opening um, quick enough. And I've been shocked to see that on both of these issues with churches opening and with the government response, people of faith are all over the spectrum. You know, some are like, yay, churches should open. Others are like, churches should not open. And we both seen pastors say, we're not opening till, you know, maybe the fall, maybe next year, depending on where they are in the country. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Are congregations um, opening too soon? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that um, at some point, I mean, we have to use common sense and we have to to rely on the the the, the mind that God gave us. Um, but I think that it's important that churches get back together as soon as possible, not because of the building, not because of uh, anything like that. It, it's mainly because of... Um, the Bible instructs us to get together. Um, it tells us not to forsake the assembly of one another. Um, there's just something about worshiping corporately as a group and in person that we miss on live streams or video chats. Um, it, it's a, I don't know how to exactly put it into words, but it's, it's more of a, um, there's more of a connectability there. Um, you know, you can, you can see one another, you can, um, 
presence of not only one another, but in the presence of God in a corporate setting. That makes sense. <coughs> Sorry, that's my puppy barking in the background. And I may have to pause here because my wife ordered a shipment of whatever. <laughs> so when that comes, he's going to go crazy and I got to go get it off the front porch. But um, so what happens when, and this is, this is what we're seeing a lot. Um, and again, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't violate the respectfulness of the people that share in that pastoral group we are, but I think it's a generalization more than a so-and-so pastor said. Um, right. So what happens when, because you and I are both saying where pastors are sharing, hey, our board prayed about this. We really feel like we should open and we are going to open. And people are leaving the church because they're like, you're putting lives at risk. And we're also seeing where people are like, our board prayed about this. We're not going to open yet. When people are like, you're a heretic and you're not a Christian, so we're leaving the church. So what, I mean, how they're both all in one congregation, people of God. So it's it varies because depending upon your situation, some places may not be ready to open because there's still a, you know, a lot of, uh, contagion of the virus going along. That's great. Other places, um, you know, things are moderate. There's not a lot. So they, like you said, some churches have been still meeting with no problem. But my thing is on what, how are, how should people respond when your church leaders, your congregational leaders say, we prayed about this and we're doing a, and then you disagree. Cause that's, that's what we're seeing. And people are, you know, leaving and, and, and bad mouthing one another. And of course, no one's doing this in private. Right. You know, right. they're all putting it all over Facebook and, and, and bad mouthing people and, and it's just ridiculous. So well, people face respond. I think pastors need to be in prayer about their opening with their boards or their leadership in their church. Um and this is something where I have a, I'm trying to say this respectfully too. I have a, a real problem with members of the church not following the leadership of the church. God put the leadership in place for a reason. And that is to watch over the flock. If if I prayed and I felt and I talked to my my trustees or my my deacons or or my elders um, about reopening and had them pray, and we were in all in agreement that yes, it's time to move forward. It's time to to uh, open. Then I, as a church member we should respect the fact that they've all prayed they've 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 studied on this they've they've really sought god for the answer to this and we should be following their leadership um now for those who say well my pastor's not opening and you know i'm frustrated i don't want to 
that maybe the pastor's not the problem. Maybe you need to look at yourself and say, okay, am I really <laughs> doing as the Bible says and being respectful for those who are over me as far as leadership? Now, it's um, not to, that's not to say that sometimes leaders can be wrong. I was just going to say that, yeah. Leaders can be wrong. And but if 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 God is really speaking to you as a as an individual in the church, saying you need to be in, in fellowship with with the body of believers, then for a temporary time, if your church is not meeting, you know maybe you need to find if the Lord is literally you know really speaking and you can you can really sense that in your spirit, maybe it's maybe you need to find a fellowship that is meeting that you can plug into for a couple of weeks until your church gets back online. And well, I, would, uh, I, I would even add, maybe if you can't meet together as, you know, the entire body, uh, but you're able to meet with other people, see who wants to get together, you know, in a park for Bible study or small group or some aspect. Right from your existing congregation or i would go back to yeah pray is it god speaking to you or is it just this is what you want because you miss it because there's a whole lot of stuff we want that we miss that doesn't mean right. that god's saying you know go for right. it yeah. right and, and i think that that goes for the leadership too there's a lot of things that we miss as leaders that do we want that because we're the leaders or is God really saying, move forward? It's like any other decision we make as, as a Christ follower. You know, we have to weigh all of the circumstances, weigh all of the, the things, get people's views on it that you can trust. Um, and then if the Lord still has that strong on your heart, you move forward. Yeah, I was, I was actually just going to say, because there are lots of pastors who are probably feeling, oh, if I, you know, all the congregations around me are opening, I may not be ready and have things in place, but if I don't, I'm going to lose people. And so they're feeling pressured to move forward, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's God saying, you know, go forward. So here's another question, similar minded. Um, so that's how people of faith should respond. How should the pastors and leaders respond to the folks that are pressuring them to do one or the other, to open too soon or uh, um, to not open at all because it's not safe? How, how, how do, what should be our response to our congregation? Because we're, I mean, we're human too. We're people too. Right. And uh, we want to do, I mean, we are, for lack of a better term, leading an organization, a group of people. So we have a responsibility to those people. But I don't know. What do we do with that? I would say one thing I would do would be sit down, not necessarily in person because we can't really do that at this point, but uh, sit down with that person on a phone call or on a, a, a chat like you know, a FaceTime chat or something, and listen to them, hear them out, hear what their their reasoning for meeting is, um, 
if it's just because they missed the gossip circle, then that's something that you can, you know, deal with. If it's a real genuine, heartfelt, hey, I really feel God wants us to open, um, but I know you're not on that page. Um, explain your reasoning why you feel it's God wants you to do whatever direction you're in, whether you're wanting to open or whether you're wanting to stay stay closed. Some pastors may be like me, where I have a uh, compromised immune system, so it's not wise for me to be out doing a bunch of big public things. Um, I think the church needs to take that into consideration. And if they want to meet as a group, maybe meet as a group and have the pastor at home or wherever, even if it's in his church office, and broadcast the message from the office or whatever. You know, um, I, I, I've seen it. I've seen that done even when we weren't in a pandemic pandemic. Um, when I first was ordained um, up in Minnesota, our pastor has had, in, well, he, he's not there anymore, but he's still alive. He has MS. And so there would be Sundays that he would not be able to physically get out of the house, but he would have me do all of the opening stuff and all of the things. And then he would bring a message from his living room that we would play on the screen. So there's there's ways around things. I mean, you know, like like we have talked in the past, nothing's going to be normal anymore. Nothing yes. nothing's going to be pre 2020. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. Um, things are changing. Things have changed, and. Most people don't like change. Most people don't like the idea of someone telling me what I can and cannot do. Um, so it is no different in the church than it is anywhere else. There's people in the church that just don't like change. And, you know, even if I have one lady yell at me because I moved a tree off of one side of the platform to the other side of the platform, and they just didn't like the way I placed the tree. And uh, it was an artificial tree that really was ugly and shouldn't have been in the church in the first place, but it was there. <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, just stupid things that we we lose our focus on what worship services are about. Um, they're not about us. Right. We, we don't come together because of us. We come together so that we can, as a group, worship God and worship Christ in that group setting. Right. You know, so I would stress that to, to the individual that says, well, we're opening too soon. I would stress the reason why. 
and, and give the biblical reason why worship, we've got it in our minds that worship is nothing more than music at the beginning of a service. Yeah. And that's not worship. Worship entails the whole service. The preaching of the word, the singing of hymns, the greeting of one another, the giving of tithes and offerings. That's all worship. It's not just the beginning of the service. I would, I, we even include our announcement time. It, we yeah. call that an act of worship, which is why I know most people try to get rid of them. We just embrace them and take time. Sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's literally 22 minutes sharing about announcements, why they're important, making sure people understand them. But uh, so, yeah, so for pastors, leadership teams, listen, respond personally if you can. Uh, and you just brought up a good point because those pastors who are at risk, uh, a lot of pastors, you know, are like us old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and some of them are, you know, I've got medical issues. You've got health issues. A lot of pastors have high blood pressure, stress, compromised immune system. So uh, they may not be ready to get back out and be amongst people. And even though they may be up on a podium or however they preach, uh, they just may not be able to, or be at the point where they're again, able to put themselves at risk uh, and expose themselves. But what you said about uh, the sharing the pre-recorded portion, which people frowned on before, even though it was the way a lot of Mega churches did campus ministries that had campuses. Mm -hmm. You know, pastor would be at one site and at a site B, C, D, and E, all they got was a video of him. Even they got live stream. Yeah, yeah, a live stream or, or a video recording or whatever. And these are mega churches. And those 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 campuses didn't just have 20 people or 30, they had like 230, 500 people or thousands. Um, so that was the norm people frowned on it then although now no one frowns on anything live stream video or whatever because you right. have no choice but to do it um right. so that's always an option uh but now i'm going to switch streams and talk about and we may have touched on this a little bit uh with the last conversation but uh let's talk about the government response not so much the government response uh let's talk about how the people of faith should be responding to the government response because governments are responding in one of three ways. One, strong arm, nobody open, everything's shut down. Sorry, I don't care. Everything's shut down. Two, yeah, go ahead and open. Uh, go ahead and open. Wait, there's still a risk. I don't care. Go ahead and open. Or three, some governments are not responding. They're just not doing anything. They're yeah. literally taking no action. Um, and I don't think you can compare those three situations because I saw, I've seen people post things like, hey, in the middle of Wyoming, you know, they never shut down, their economy's great, and they have a low amount of cases. Yeah, but there's only a home every mile and a half. You right. know, they're, they're not city metropolitan areas where people are concentrated and where there's more likely to be spread. Uh, and most of them, not dis in Wyoming, but uh, most of them, nobody was going back to Wyoming with, you know, uh, the disease in the first place to infect most of the people there. So you can't compare that to New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., that 
that that doesn't mesh up. There shouldn't be, in my opinion, I'm not a politician, the same way you respond to Wyoming is the same way you respond to, you know, what's going on in New York, because they're two totally different situations. Right. And, and they, the president has even addressed that, that, you know, we can't treat every state the same. Right. You know, that's why he, that's why he's given the governors, well, that and the Constitution says the governors have the right over it, but that's why he's let them be the deciding factor as to when and how fast their people get back to a somewhat normal life. Again, nothing is going to be normal. It's not going to be normal in our churches. It's not going to be normal in our in the secular world either. Things aren't normal. All right. So uh, how did people of faith respond to this non-normal new reality of governments either overacting or not reacting? How should the people of faith respond? Let's start with governments that are overreacting and you know, because we're both in Pennsylvania, so you know, I, I see people who are supporting uh, Tom Wolf. Uh, thank you for keeping us safe. I see people that are like, dude, Hitler is gone. What are you doing? Because, you know, he's trying well, to keep everything safe. So how should, I'm not saying whether he's right or wrong, specifically though, how should the people of faith respond when their government is saying, hey, we're not going to open yet, or we're going to take our time, or we're going to go slow? We should respond prayerfully, compassionately. Um, and biblically, and, and let me break that down. Um, prayerfully is a no-brainer. That's what we should be doing, anyways. Amen. So, I, I, I'm not even going to elaborate on that. Compassionately is not talking down the government leaders for the stance that they're taking. I mean, I'll be honest, I wouldn't want to be a governor in this time. I mean, or a mayor of a town in this time. Yeah. Or even yeah, on the police department at this time, because there are decisions that you have to make right on the spot that is not going to be happy. Not everyone's going to be happy about the decision you make. Um, but we need to do it out of the Christ love that should be coming out of every Christian, every Christ follower. Um, you know, we should we should show that compassion to our leaders. Um, now, biblically, this one's the one I get stuck on. But biblically, if it's going against anything that is in God's word that it goes against our principles that God puts forth. Um, then I think as a Christ follower, we have the right to stand up for those biblical principles. Um, there are some areas that 
I really feel that, how do I put this? I, I feel the church has been not, not necessarily um, pointed out or not necessarily um, targeted. But I do feel that we have been some of our our our, our given God given rights have been taken away that and and they may never come back, and we've allowed that to happen. Like, um, what, what do you, you mean in this specifically, or you mean overall throughout time? No, I mean in this specifically. This is where this is how quick were we to say. How quick were we to follow everything that the, the government put down? I mean, we were real quick to close the churches, to, to you know, not meet in, in homes for Bible study. Not, you know, we, we got rid of pretty much everything in the church except for videos. We could do live streams. We, we didn't meet in, in homes. You know, even if, if, say, my brother and I, um, we live in different homes. Well, any of my brothers, we live in different homes. But if we wanted to get together as a group to study as a family, because we had more than 10 people, we wouldn't be allowed to do that in a home Bible study. Even well, me, though we're family, even though we're blood. Right. So let me let me let me dig into that a little bit. Um, just because that but was was that a specific thing targeted at the church or was that a blanket for everyone? It was a blanket for everyone, but okay. here's what this is what my my thought process is if hundreds of people can go to Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, and walk through the store with masks on, and that's okay, then why isn't it okay for 20 people to get together at church? Do the social distancing, do the mask, and worship as a body of Christ. Well, I I I see those things as two totally different things. I see uh, if they had said, "Hey, churches, you cannot have people more than ten gather," but they let restaurants or sporting events or other places, not where people stand in line and shop for things, uh, but where people sit and gather and talk together and said, oh, everywhere else can still do it, but churches can't, I would, I would see that. But, and I can't speak for everywhere, I can only speak for PA, because on, on Pennsylvania, it actually said uh, on, the, on the governor's list of non-essential and essential, wherever they came up with that, it said churches were still essential, right. but across the board, no places where people sat and gathered and just sit and gathered could do that for more than 10. And then they actually upped it to 25. Even before we went to yellow, they upped it to 25. I don't know if that was just for churches 
or for people in general. Uh, so I don't think they specifically said, and I get because people have said, why can they do this and they can't do that? Uh, you know, and, and, and those are all good things. Cause I even think, why can't gyms be open? Right. Because at the gym, most people, depending on a gym, you wipe down that equipment before you get on. And once you get off, it's actually safer than a drive through where I'm getting handed cups and bags that everybody and their brother has touched. It's not yeah. getting wiped down. So, but I don't, I, I just don't feel like, I feel like we as the church could have and should have said, hey, my congregation of 100, we can't gather, but why don't we send 10 people to your house, 10 people to your house? We didn't do that. I don't think right. that's on the government. I think that's on us. We screwed that up. Well, yes and no. I mean, there were churches trying to do just that trying to have the small Bible studies in homes and they were shot shot down, shut down. By who? California, out in California. Oh, well, had, yeah. Well, in California, they had that. They also had it in Ohio. Um, my nephew's church, he goes to a, a bigger church out there. They tried to do the Bible studies. The governor said no. And I get that because some states, I can't speak for every state because some states right. were more little. I know they tried to shut down and i think it was kentucky and the kentucky yeah. attorney general said no churches are crucial right. they can gather as long as they're in these numbers so though i mean that's we can't speak for every state i'm just saying in general right. where they said here's the stipulation yeah there were some people who were just anti-church and they said if other places can't meet churches you can't either yeah but there were a lot of places where they said okay churches we're gonna work with you but we have to treat you like everybody else. And we didn't embrace that. We didn't say, okay, let's find more. I get it. We all went to video and thought, that's it. We're done. That's all we're doing is video. But there were so many, I mean, if you got a church of a hundred people and they say, well, only 25 can gather, you could have had you 25 go to Jim's house, you 25 uh, go to Mark's house, you 25 yeah. come to my house. Uh, we all zoom together or, or and, and, and instead of a zoom of, 20 different people, you have four Zooms, each with 25 different people. I mean, there were so many other creative ways. Granted, well, yeah. not every, every place, like you said, was open to it. Some places were like, no. But a lot of places were like, yeah, as long as you're meeting this requirement, we don't care what you do. But I think this was brought on so quickly and so abruptly that we really didn't have time to think about that i mean we can say that now we can say that yeah we should have done this but the way it moved and the way it moved so quickly um i don't think pastors had a chance to react no initially no but, but we're you know, and, and then when we did have that chance to react that's when the drive-in churches all started and things like yep. that People that a lot of people, it. that a lot of people in a lot of different states said, you can't even do that. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I agree. You know? I think there were some states that were like, no, no gathering, right. period. Uh, but there were a lot of states where there are some, like we did one drive in church. We tried to do another one, but then it rained. Yeah. Uh, there are some churches that that's all they've been doing for literally the past six weeks drive in churches. And then when it expanded, instead of just drive in, uh, they have some people bring chairs and just your family, as long as you're, you know, at least 10 feet from every other family, bring chairs in the blanket. 
They've been doing that. And the government's like, fine, as long as they're, if you can, if me and my family can walk out in the park, as long as we're six feet away from everyone else, yeah, you can, then we can do that whilst you're playing music and preaching the sermon. So yeah, some states are anti blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're anti-church. I think they're anti any gathering period. Yeah. Some a little harder on church, but some states are, hey, here are the, here are the guidelines. As long as your church stays within that, fine. You can do whatever you want to do. But I, I think it is upon us. The government's not going to get creative and find ways for us to minister. That that's that's yeah, not done. That's on us, and I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. But the other thing that that it surprises me, but it doesn't surprise me, is how easily how easily we did give up all of those freedoms without checking on anything. You know, they came on the TV and said, hey, there's a virus that's worldwide. We're shutting everything down. Without doing any kind of even quick research on what well, I was think- going on. I think, yeah. like you said, it happens so fast right. that the limited amount of research you could do, wait, a virus, what's going on? And when you see, not just in, if it's just in the U.S., that's one thing, you know, we can debate U.S. politics, Democrat, Republican. But when you see dozens upon dozens of other countries right. have been going through this same thing, and then it hits us, then you say, okay, wait. There is some level of, for lack of a better term, validity to, yeah, okay, there are people oh. in Spain, there are people in Italy, there are people, yeah. you know, China, there are people in other European nations that are dealing with this virus. And normally when we see that, we don't think about it because, you know, yeah. by the time it hits here, we've got vaccines and other thing and, you know, it's under control. But I think when this hit, uh, in the back of our minds, we're like, wait, wasn't this happening over there? Yeah. No, it's here. That's unreal. And then, boom, it wasn't just, it's here, it's here, it's coming. It was just, now it's here. Yeah, it's here in full force. And every day for like a week, it just snowballed. Yeah. They were like yeah. state of emergency. And I'm not saying that, that we did anything wrong in following those guidelines right away. I guess the point I'm making is how easily we transitioned to following all of those guidelines. You know, um, especially when you had one group saying, well, it's no worse than the flu. Another group saying, this is a killer dead, you know, this can take a million people out of America if we let it go. Um, Another group is, like I'm going home and I'm staying home until the war, until all of it's gone, you know. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think what made it so easy for us to follow along, and I can't speak for everybody, is seeing the impact. And if Italy had not been as bad as it was, we probably would not have, we probably would have been like we are now, kind of debating, should we follow, should we not follow? But because we saw other countries that were really 
devastating, not so much the virus, but devastating the medical resources. Yeah. That was the big push for, and if it had been just, hey, churches need to shut down, we definitely probably would have had a different story. Yeah. Because yeah. they were closing businesses and churches, we were like, okay, this isn't just a church thing. This is an everyone thing. Yeah. Okay, let's let's kind of let's comply and we'll we'll sit and see what happens. And, and and actually I'm going to be talking about that a little bit tonight on at our Bible study. But uh it is it, it's just I don't know, maybe it's because of the the study I'm doing personally right now with the end times study. This should not have caught any of us by surprise. The Bible has told us that in the last days, yeah. we are going to see these things. And this this is my biggest gripe with the church about this. I, I yes, I, I, I kind of go back and forth. Yeah, we should have, we did the right thing. We complied with the government. We set the example. But then I go back and forth. With, yeah, maybe we should have examined more, questioned more, spent more time. Hold on, before I close, I'm going to pray first. But here's my biggest thing. Uh, and I just preached about this on Sunday, talking about spiritual gifts. Um, God, over and over and over, whether it was things that he caused or things he allowed to happen, would usually send a prophet to his people to say, this is coming. This is coming because I caused it. Or this is coming. I didn't cause it, but you need to know about it. Uh, but because we have stopped and removed so much spirituality from the church, and like you said, we just focus on Sunday, music, preaching, programs, that's it. There's nothing else to the church uh, uh, and, and have missed. The biggest part of the church is God's revelation to his people. Um, we yeah. missed out on this. We should have been the first one saying, you know what? Something big is coming, church. We need to get ready because God is continually speaking to his people, uh, whether it be through prophets uh, or, or, or through his word. We should have had an inkling and we did not have a clue. And that's, yeah. that's on us. That's, that's, that's on the church. And, and that, that does fall on the, the pastors and the, and the church itself. I mean, it does. Um, yes. and, and, and the sad thing is, most churches will not preach a third of the Bible. Or, you know, it's actually a quarter of the Bible. 25% of the Bible is prophecy. Past, present, and future. And we do not teach that in most churches today. Most well, churches will steer away from that part of the Bible. And if we would have been teaching all the way through, you know, we see these things that are taking yeah. place now that are in the Bible. They're there. Daniel talked about it. You know, uh, all the major prophets basically talked about it. So, yeah, we we have a lot to to blame ourselves on, you know. Yeah. Um, getting back to the Christian response, if 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 the if the church, if the government is is truly blocking out churches, if they open the bars first, which some of them have in some states. And said, you know, the bars can be open, but the churches can't. 
and that that was in that was in a couple of different places. And those and the people, the Christians in those places, need to rise the heck up and be like, "Heck no!" Exactly, and and they're not. That's the that's the problem. But that's what I'm saying. We should biblically be having a I don't want to say civil disobedience, but no, you don't even have to do that. All you have to do is take your congregation, show up in the bar, order soda, and have church. Well, yeah, you could do that. Just do that. And just, hey, yeah. we're in compliance. Just have church in the bar. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying, you know, there, there, there's things that we just, we still have our blinders on. Yeah. This, hasn't, this hasn't, this hasn't woken the church up enough. To really get back to that, Lord, I'm sold out to you completely. Yeah, we're we're still on. Okay, now we're online. How do I count the number of people online so I can say, here's how many people are attending my Sunday celebrations? How exactly. Do I, every vote count. Does if they only watch for three seconds? Do I multiply that times four and say, yay, that's how many people? We we're still, you know, we're still missing the boat. So yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. But what about the, um, those governments that are saying, yeah, go ahead, open, let's do whatever. Uh, those local governments are saying, we're not going to apply with the governments that don't open. We want people to open. And there are people in the church like, no, what are you, crazy? Too soon. You're putting lives at risk. How does it, how, how, do, how does, I mean, that's direct opposite. So how does the church respond? How does the body of Christ respond to that? I think pretty much in the same way, don't you? If if we if we are doing it out of respect, if we're doing it out of love and compassion, then we're doing the same thing all across the board, no matter what the decision is. And there are some states, Texas, Georgia, Florida, South Dakota, um, they had, they're all back pretty much up and running. And they never shut the churches down. You know, they, South Dakota especially, that the, the governor up there said that she never, never had the churches stop meeting. They were allowed to meet through this whole thing. And even in Florida, they had churches meeting. You had to have the, the social distancing and you know, go by all the guidelines except for the number of people. Because um, some of the mega churches down in Florida continue to stay open even during this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and and they're, they're reopened. The, the states are basically reopening. So, which brings me to another thought as I, you know, because I'm just wired this way, I guess. If they left the churches open all that time and they're doing so much better than the states that didn't allow churches to open, is God showing more favor on them than he is the rest of the country? You know, just the way I think, but you know. I think that's a hard, I, I, it's a hard thing to prove. Again, every, every area is different, every situation, even within states like Florida. Illinois, I mean, there are parts of Illinois, I mean, there are parts of Pennsylvania where they saw no impact, but they closed like everybody else. Right. 
little impact. Uh, and there are parts where, so I, I think every place is going to be different. I think it's a, it's a matter of, hey, as, a, as the body of Christ, do we want to show compliance when, okay, we think that's, that's infringing upon our God-given rights and it goes against what God calls us to do. So we want to, like you said, prayerfully, compassionately, and biblically respond in a way, even if that response is, uh, we're not having it. Uh, or even if that response is, yes, okay, you guys are doing the right thing. So, uh, but I think every, like you said, every area is going to be different. Different. I think the areas where, where, where people are showing biblical responses, even if it's to rise up and say we're not having it, but they're doing it in a biblical, uh, compassionate way out of love. Yeah, I think God's going to show favor on that and bless that. I think the areas where the people of God are not doing anything, God's like, all right, you guys aren't doing anything anyway, you know. Um, you, need, you need your attention. I need to get your attention a little yeah, bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think. Yeah. But as God says in his word, those congregations that are lukewarm, he's like, I'm, I'm really done with you guys anyway, or he will say that. So, um, yeah. yeah. And some, I, I, I kind of hesitate bringing this up because it's going to open another whole can of worms probably. But a lot of the states that are moving forward faster also closed down the abortion industry when everything else was closed down well i i, I think and and a lot and, and a lot of the states that are having struggles getting back they've kept they've kept the abortion part of it as a essential business or essential surgeries to be done and they're having a lot more problems. Yeah, I think that's a straight up government. I mean, those, you know, Democrat, Republican, pro-abortion things. Uh, yeah. There's no justification for that. It's it's an elective. Uh, granted, someone who is in the throes of a medical pregnancy emergency and a doctor has to make a decision, that's different from someone who elects to say, I'm going to have an abortion. Uh, the very fact that they you know women's rights women choosing you're making yeah. a choice it's not mandatory it's not required it doesn't need to happen so the fact again i feel like we as the church and here i'm, I'm going to say this again has nothing to do with what we're talking about but if we whether you're christian or not as the people of god if we get on the other side of this and we have not instituted term limits and and taken away the rights from the congress to pay itself more money and elect its own raises. If we don't, then we get everything we deserve. That is the most ridiculous thing. And that's part of the reason we have this problem. And I'm an independent. I'm not pushing Democrats or Republicans. Right. But I, 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 that needs, we have term limits on the president, right? And uh, no matter what company you work for, you as an employee don't get to say, here's how much I want to give myself a raise and have that happen. And we forgot that the Senate and the congressional leaders, they work for us. We elect them. They work for us. So we need to take away their rights to give themselves raises, to which, if if I understand correctly, they just did just that recently. Uh, either gave well, it no, it's, 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 in the it's in the next stimulus bill. Yeah. So um, 
we have people who couldn't get money that was supposed to go to them because I mean that's a whole other issue. And now, but every single con- congressional and Senate leader continue to get paid and we'll get a bonus. Yeah. And that's our fault. That's on us. Yeah. Every single uh, one, I don't care who it is, vote them out of office and vote somebody else in uh, and make it clear that's going to happen. No one will continue to be, if they won't put term limits on them, we put it on them. You've been there too long. Get out. It's that simple. Yeah. That's, that's, and, you know, brings up a whole nother topic for another day and another podcast, but how, how involved should the Christ follower be in the political world? Okay, we're going to make that another podcast. Well, we're going to make that another day and another podcast, but we're going to make it soon because uh, primary elections, at least in Pennsylvania, are coming up. But yeah. they're happening all over, and this is a presidential election year, uh, so maybe that will be the next topic we discuss. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, but that goes back even to dealing with this crisis, though, to be honest, because when we saw everything happening around the world and everything that is going on here, and it, you know, we said, okay, we got to stop everything. If we would have looked in Italy and Spain and some of the other countries and noticed that most of the deaths and the population that was being hit hard were the over 60 crowd or people with underlying problems, health issues. And if we could have, if we could have seen that instead of, instead of rushing and and shutting everything down, we could have shut everything down for a couple of weeks, got that data in, and said, okay, we're okay to open, but I want everybody who's in this age bracket to shelter in place, or if you have this condition, you need to shelter in place, and let the rest of them continue on. Well, here's, here's what was supposed to happen versus what happened. What was supposed to happen is, yes, we're gonna shut everything down solely for the reason so that we can get the medical equipment that we need to get to give our medical staff, hospitals, uh, the ability. It wasn't so much just the deaths, it was the overwhelming of the medical resources. But then once we got that in place, it switched from we're going to shut down because now that's in place, open everything back up. So if right. people get sick, hospitals can handle it. But then it went to, oh, we're keeping everything shut down to keep you safe, to keep you from getting the, That wasn't why we shut down, to keep people from getting the virus. Right. We shut down to keep our medical places, hospitals from being overrun because even, whether they died or not, they would end up in the hospital because of the, the way the virus impacted people. Right. And somehow it got switched from, okay, we should have opened up weeks ago to say, okay, now medical places, we've got PPE out there. We've got respirators out there. We can handle people get sick, open back up, slowly go back out. But we didn't. It switched from, you know, as, as I can't speak for every governor, but as Governor Wolf is saying, we're trying to keep you safe. You didn't shut down to keep me safe. You shut down in order so that we could get 
our medical resources up to snuff to handle right. when people get sick. Now they're up to snuff. They were up to snuff weeks ago. We should have been open weeks ago. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and, 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 and that's what I'm saying, you know, and, and as a, as a Christ follower, it's really hard to, to say, okay, Lord, you told me to be under the authority that you have put in place, but it just doesn't add up. <laughs> so how do I move forward, Lord? You know, um, that that's the problem I'm 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 wrestling with is the fact that you know we just and, and again it, it shouldn't surprise us if we knew if we were studying the Bible all of the Bible we would have seen this coming as far as how everyone, you know, how different ones are reacting to it. Yeah. If we would be teaching the Bible the way we should. (laughs) Well, I think even if we teach in the Bible, but also if people, Christ followers as a whole, would be embracing the the supernatural spiritual aspect of who we are. Uh, I mean, there are whole schools of, I know we're getting way off topic, but whole schools of, theology that preach and teach that all these gifts, you know, these supernatural things, they're no longer happening today. And I'm like, wait a second, you're telling me that God puts his Holy Spirit in us, but then that supernatural Holy Spirit, the gifts it gives us, it gives to us aren't supernatural spiritual gifts like prophecy, miracles, healing. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I would not, I, that's what I would expect from a supernatural being taking up residence in a human being, that there right. would be some supernatural manifestation that comes to fruition. Uh, but as long as people continue to not only not teach it, but people don't continue to use their spiritual gifts in the church, uh, and I get it, some people, I think God still has prophets out there whom he speaks to and reveals his will to and says, go tell the people uh, but the last 20 people that walked in saying, I'm a prophet, pay me nine ninety nine, and I'll tell you whatever. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the Bible, the Bible is clear and deals with that too, because Paul dealt with that a lot when he was training Timothy. He said, that, you know, there's going to be in the last days, a lot of people saying, I'm a prophet yeah. that aren't prophets. And, you know, I don't think God is revealing, giving us any new revelations, because if he if he was giving new revelations, then the Bible wouldn't, it wouldn't. It well, not wouldn't. necessarily new, meaning newer than the Bible, but as far as uh, prophetic revelations that are his unrevealed will, whether it be for a person's life, for a congregational you know, here's the vision for this congregation or for a community. Um, right. and, yeah, we didn't know that's what God's will was for us. So right. And, and that's a whole different thing than the way the prophets were used in the Bible. The prophets in the Bible were used to, to declare what God wanted, you know, to declare God's, spoken words through the prophets because he wasn't 
he wasn't speaking to everyone. He was speaking to the people he chose. Um, and they were to tell the rest. So I, I believe there are prophets, but I, I don't, if they go against God's word in any way, or if they say, I have a new revelation, then steer clear yeah. of that prophet, because that's not what a prophet is. Um, it will never go against the word of God. You know, so if someone comes to me and says, God, God told me today that, I, that you are going to get $100 in your bank account. I'd say, where's it coming from? Not that I don't have faith that God could put it there, but God doesn't say in his word that he's going to give me $100. You know, um, there's just, we have to be real careful on that. But, but still, it, it does kind of apply to what we are talking about, too. You know, the, even in government, in experts, um, there's, just, there's just so much that we've been told that just hasn't made sense. And, and you hear... You hear one expert saying, wear a mask. Another expert saying, masks are really bad for you because they're, they're breaking down your immune system because, you know, you're not, you're not allowing your, the, the natural bacteria and germs that need to come into our bodies, come into our bodies, you know. Um, and some say, wear the mask because you're protecting not yourself, but you're protecting the person that you're around. I I get I get it, but um, you know I, I, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is there's just been so many different stories, different um, different outcomes in in this whole thing. That yeah. And Here's, here's part of the thing that I, I, at least I tell people when they ask me, I was like, if, if, if your expert uh, is giving you a political perspective, uh, then it may or may not be the truth, depending upon right. that political agenda. Um, if it's a medical person who's speaking from a medical place, I'm more inclined to listen. Uh, if it's a legal person and it's you know a politician telling me, Again, may or may not be true, but if it's a, a legal, like a lawyer, police, someone with, you know, expert as termed by politicians means nothing. Uh, right. And if it lines up with normal truth, uh, and then we should always be going back, okay, God, you know, person A says this, person B says this, what do you say? How do, how do, I, how do I deal with this? Because truth doesn't change regardless of who's claiming to be the expert their political agenda. I mean, yeah. I think you're right. The church has to band together and stand up for its God-given rights. Uh, the country is founded on, you know, we believe that God has given unalienable rights, meaning no person can take those rights away. Um, and if we don't stand up for them, we will lose them. So, and, yeah. And we are the only country that has ever been formed 
with those beliefs. Okay. We're, we're the only country not standing up for our beliefs. Too. And we're the only country, that's exactly what I was going to say. We're the only country where the believers aren't standing up for it. You know, I feel so ashamed sometimes when I'm working with a persecuted church and hearing what they go through, Christians over in China or North Korea or some of the other places, Iran, what they go through just to have a church service and we complain yeah. because the pastor went 10 minutes over 12 o'clock yeah. you know and and, and it, that just puts us to shame we the the church in america needs to get our focus back to where god had us in the beginning I totally agree. You know, so. All right, we've gone way over time. I don't even have my watch. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, so why don't you pray for us? And then um, our next next podcast uh, will be on, how did you word it? How involved should the Christ follower be in politics, politics. or government or? Government or politics, either one. Okay, government or politics or, yeah, all of that. All right, so why don't you pray for us and we will wrap this up. Okay. Father, once again, we thank you for this time together. We pray that through our rambling and our, our talking that, that we have um, given some good points and some good ideas for the church to follow. We, we want to follow you. We don't want this to be... Uh, my thoughts are Floyd's thoughts, but we want them to be your thoughts and uh, your perspective on things. So, Lord, we just ask that you would um, just give us uh, give us grace to move forward and give us the strength we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.